This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Why well, was it was a banner in Argentina thing one year ago I read it that uh, it said no matter what you have done with your life Diego it matter what you have done for our lives. I think expressed perfectly what this guy gave us uh, the amount of joy and the pleasure and the and uh, his commitment for his uh, the world football, he made the world football better. His performance in, uh, you know, we had done in Napoli, a team for the South, and uh, special for the national team in Argentina, Mexico, 86, was something unbelievable. And uh, yeah, rest in peace. And uh, in behalf of Manchester City, of course, a big hug for all his family. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Pep Guardiola on Diego Maradona, who sadly left us on Wednesday. It's me, Ross. This is On The Ball. And joining me this evening, we've got Bob Holmes, we've got Craig Marias, and we've got Kishnan. Um, as usual, you, you, can, you can tweet us uh, when we're on air at BFM Radio on Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, we do have a YouTube channel up and running. In fact, new video out tonight. It's TFIF on video. Do check us out. Uh, as we heard Pep at the start, paying tribute to Diego Maradona, who sadly passed away at just 60 years old on Wednesday. Um, Bob, this means that I guess God's got his hand back. <laughs> no, it was the devil's hand, not God's hand. <laughs> oh, that's such an English point of view. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it it seems strange. I feel that he's only sixty. Yeah, because he seems to have been around forever, doesn't he? Uh, you know, uh, seems like most of my lifetime, and I'm a little bit older than sixty, um, <laughs> but. Uh, very sad. We thought he'd got over the, the worst. He had an operation for, uh, a, well, brain surgery, wasn't it? Yeah, and he seemed, yeah. to, he seemed to be um, uh, okay. Um, I think we all thought he was indestructible, basically, because he'd had so many scrapes. I mean, everything had gone wrong with him health-wise. I mean, he, um, he had his stomach stapled in 2005. Yeah. He lost 50 kg. He was, his weight was up to 120, and he lost 50. Wow. Can you imagine that? And he survived that. Yeah. Survived well, bounced back. And, yeah, I think there was that feeling of indestructibility, and um, it came as a bit of a shock to learn that uh, he had finally gone. Um, football's greatest personality, I would say, and one of the... Th- the top three greatest players of all time. We can no doubt argue about. No, no, I, I, I think I think you're spot on there, Bob. Um, as a footballer, Craig, Diego Maradona was unflawed. He was an unflawed genius as a footballer. Literally, we, we saw him single-handedly take teams, take his country <laughs> to, to success. But as a person, he was very flawed. And, and that, in the end, I guess, contributed a lot to, to his um, demise. But... Um, Sad, what do you remember of the... You're a slightly younger generation, aren't you? Yeah, slight, slightly younger, but um, 86 was, was obviously, um, you know, famous. I remember, I remember watching every single minute of that game. I remember thinking yeah. after half an hour, 
England's got this sorted. They've kept him quiet, everything. Yeah, I mean, anything <laughs> was happened. <laughs> yeah, it was the year I was born as well. So um, <laughs> I, I don't remember too much of it. But obviously, you know, when, when you look back on it, and it, it's such a big, big moment, isn't it? Um, I, I just look at Maradona, and, and like you said, Ross, you know, he, he's the man who single-handedly, um, you know, Took, took his country to, to World Cup glory. Uh, but not only that, you know, with the club side of things, uh, with Napoli, what he did over there, um, you know, it, it was just uh, amazing. You know, the only thing that I I found it a shame was that, you know, his stint at Barcelona didn't really, mm. um, you know, put him to the heights that, um, you know, he could have. He could have won so much more, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. with God-given talent like that, you know, you, you look at some of the players in, you know, history of football who have achieved, so much, you know, and they come nowhere near near to him in terms of, you know, being one of the greats of football, one of the all-time best, you know, but they, they come away from the game mm. with having achieved so much. Um, I mean, it doesn't get better than the World Cup, let's be honest, but, you know, the club side of things, you know, do, do you reckon he could have done a little bit more? Um, yes, he can, but, you know, he, he also lived that rock star lifestyle as well. Yeah. Um, so which, which <laughs> contributed to that. Um, another thing that I, I obviously remember is that infamous... Uh, uh, warm up. I think it was uh, in a semi final of European tie um, against Bayern Munich, if I'm not mistaken, um, where he was doing anything but warming up uh, in terms of stretching the muscles. Uh, it was more like he was dancing, and um, but it was it, it was the way you know he controlled that football. I yeah. mean, he was doing things with that football that you know it, it was just amazing. You know, and you didn't think that was possible. And, um, and the amount of yeah. control he had over it. Agreed. He he played in a time, Keish. When the pitches aren't as good as they are today, he played in a, during a time when defenders literally went for your shins because you were showboating. I mean, it was a totally different era. I'm, I'm interested. You're, you're the youngest of the lot here. Uh, Ozzy Ardiles came out and said, you know, your Lionel Messi's and your Cristiano Ronaldo's can't ever imagine that they will be admired as much as Diego. I mean, that, that's, that's massive. Can I... I completely agree with that, Ross. Uh, I was born, you know, post Diego Maradona's era, um, but I remember the only thing I ever heard growing up, um, because I spent a lot of my a lot of my time as a toddler, as a kid, uh, with my with my uncle, who who was the guy who introduced football to me. He was a United fan, but all I ever heard him talk about was Diego. If it wasn't Eric, it was Diego, <laughs> and he was obsessed with Diego. He would tell me tales of 1986. More importantly, he would tell me tales of Napoli. And, yeah. and from a very young age, I, I, I mean, I, it was difficult for me to objectively evaluate if, if Diego Maradona was a great football player because obviously at a young age, I didn't have access to the internet. I couldn't watch clips of him dribbling. But from a very young age, what was very evident to me was that Diego Maradona was loved by so many people. Yeah. And that was very clear to me from a yeah. very young age. And yeah. that was that's the most powerful part here, Ross, because yeah. you you we can look at statistics, we can look at the kind of trophies that, that players have won across their careers. And it's easy to pinpoint so many other names that have done better than Diego. You you, you look at that that there was this comparison of, of, of stats between Lionel Messi and Diego Maradona in terms of goals that they've scored, in terms of games that they've played, and more importantly, in terms of trophies that have that they've won. But but you can't compare intangibles like the amount of love that Diego got. It, it, the amount of impact he had on, on a city like Napoli, yeah. an abandoned port city like Absolutely. Napoli. Absolutely. How do you quantify that? 
Yeah. How do you put that into a statistic and say that it's better than everyone else? You can't. And yeah. that's the beauty of it. Even, yeah. as a play, even as a person who never got to watch Diego, just the sheer amount of love that he gets at La Bombonera and Boca Juniors and the love that he gets at, at, at Estadio San Paolo, the entire city of Naples, um, it's, it's something that I just can't seem to process at all. Yeah. It's, May- it's out of this world. May- Sorry, May- Ross. Can I just can yeah. I just step in there? You know, we've talked about we've talked about the hand of God and everything. We haven't talked about the absolutely fantastic goal he scored in that match as well. I, I, absolutely, I mean, no, no, arguably one of the best goal. goals of all time. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. But um, Pep said it best. He said, no matter what Diego Maradona did off field, he did enough on it to make so many people happy, and and that's in a nutshell. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Diego. Yeah, well, can I just come in on this? Yeah, rest in peace indeed, because he didn't get a lot uh, during life, did he? No. And this, I think this contributed to his stats being down somewhat. I mean, he scored 300 and odd goals in 600 games. Messi scored 447 in about 470. But he did win the World Cup and he made this fantastic impression. So you're looking at two things here. You're looking at a, a person a, and a man and a footballer. And they were very different. And yet the great proletariat around the world seems to have forgiven him for his faults. But there were many. There mm. were many. Mm. And he didn't, he didn't hide them. No, he didn't at all. <laughs> that, that's the man in a nutshell. All right. Uh, we could do literally a whole show or just paying tribute to Diego Maradona. Why but, don't we? <laughs> no, but there's, there's football to talk about. In fact, we haven't got a lot of time to whiz past the midweek Champions League. Uh, we'll start with you, Bob, in Group D, Liverpool nil, Atalanta 2. Um, it was a depleted Liverpool side. Uh, he was expected to, to feel the slightly weakened side. I mean, Klopp is going through some... A heck of an injury crisis right now. Surprised they kept it down to two, but um, uh, kicking the nether regions nonetheless. Uh, yes, um, uh, totally unexpected after after hammering them uh, at their place last week, um, and I think a little bit worrying actually. And I I sense that Klopp was doing a bit more moaning than usual. I mean, Klopp has been pretending that, well, we can get through this injury crisis and been very positive and suggested that they may not even buy anybody in January. But I think this game showed that they do need to. I mean, he was, he's been complaining now for a couple of weeks about the schedule. Mm. And I think there's a subtle message in there to his own board. What he's basically saying is, I need some money to be spent on replacements. These guys can't, can't keep going like this. I mean, Matip, for example, who's not the most uh, reliable performer, is he, as far as injuries are concerned? I mean, he's being asked, it looks like he's going to have to play three games in seven days, which he's never done before. Milner is 34 years old. Same thing, three games in seven days. They really are stretched. And although they've got promising youngsters, they had three British teenagers on the bench. That's the first time that's happened since 2009 for any club. So mm. they do have them, but they're not ready yet. Yeah. And only, only Curtis Jones, I think, of the younger generation is actually ready. And uh, they are stretched, seriously stretched. And this Champions League 
is stretching them further. Yeah. And they're not certain to get through. They're not, not yet. certain. They've got no. the insurance of Michiland. Yeah. Um, but they might have to play that on a neutral ground. I think they'll. I think they'll do it. I do, but it's not a hundred percent, and uh, it is a little bit worrying. So I think there's a subtle message there from Jurgen Klopp. Well, we they do in January. Yeah, they they do have a two point lead over Ajax in Group D. Uh, Craig in Group H, we saw Manchester United hit four past Istanbul. We saw Bruno Fernandes and Donny Van de Beek play in the same team. We saw Cavani, Martial and Rashford all start. Whoa. Yeah, it was it was refreshing to see, uh, shall we say. <laughs> um, I think a lot, I mean, it, you know, there was a lot because of, of, of the previous result against these guys uh, where, where United lost and a lot was made of it uh, just before Everton, you know, going into that Everton game. Uh, back, at, back at Old Trafford, you know, when, on home conditions. Um, it was a very one-sided match, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't the same. It was over in the uh, first Istanbul half, team. It? Yeah, it was, you know, a, a fantastic start. Um, and, and like you said, you know, it, it was evident that Bruno and Donny can play in the same team um, uh, as each other. Uh, Donny van der Beek obviously, you know, played played as a more number six uh, yeah. than, than a 10 that uh, Ole bought him for. Um, but, you know, when throughout the season, Ole has always played two defensive midfielders. He, he was a little bit more adventurous, played... Uh, played with um, Van der Beek there, who, who was playing more, you know, picking up the ball from deep, driving it forward, uh, linking up the play, which is which is something that we don't really see when you play, you know, McTominay and Fred. Um, you know, you get the, you know, the five-yard passes, but you don't really get the linking up with the forward line. And I thought uh, Van der Beek did that very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the amount of uh, energy he has in him, the, the stamina to get, you know, to do the, the defensive work as well as get up the pitch uh, was phenomenal. Um, but you know, star of the show is always uh, Bruno Fernandes, and uh, what a volley! What a volley! <laughs> um, uh, early on, the only thing is that he he passes penalty on to to Rashford, which uh, says, know, which, yeah, which says which so says a lot about him. Yeah, it, it says does. A lot it does. All right, yeah, um, I, I want to bring Keish in here. Keish, um, his absence cost uh, uh, more talk again. Paul Pogba hasn't been seen since the international break. Now, an ankle injury has been cited. I'm hoping it's because of what he said during the international. That would be so just. I would just hold Ole right up there if that was the case. Have you heard anything on, on, on the grapevine? What are the people saying? What are your thoughts on the matter? No, I, I, I've absolutely no idea. Um, but, but I definitely think I'd rather hope that it's because of what he said as yeah, well. Because what he said is absolutely unacceptable at a time where United are struggling, at a time where he himself isn't hitting great heights either. So there's no point. It, it's counterproductive to say those things. Mm. Even if you want to move out, it's super counterproductive to come out and say those things in public because it, it helps no one. It puts more pressure on you. Like just like just like we're doing at the moment. We're exactly. putting pressure on him. Yeah. And that's because of what you said in the, in, in the press conference. It doesn't make sense. Um, and, I mean, if he's going to keep saying things like that, if that's going to be a reflection of his body language, his, his demeanor, then it's it's not going to help a team like Man United that has characters like Bruno, who after a bad game is just incredibly determined to help United yeah. bounce back. You know, characters like Rashford, who, you know, yeah. he was just always just give wants to bounce back shirt. instead of talking. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Give everything for the shirt. And, and that default mentality is when things are going bad, we keep pushing yeah. as opposed to, you know, sulking and complaining and and blaming everyone else except yourself. I mean, I'm not saying that Paul Popper 
is the sole bearer of responsibility when it comes to United's problem on and off the pitch. But surely he needs to shoulder some responsibility. Oh, abs- absolutely. I, there, yeah. there are less and less fans standing up for him on social media now. There, there are a lot saying quite, quite the opposite. But all right, let, let's tidy up the Champions League with, uh, with Chelsea and Man City. Uh, Bob, Olivier Giroud's only played 127 minutes of football this season. He's hoping to make the France uh, Euro squad. Um, he probably will as well because he pops up and scores all the time. Well, his goals per minute ratio <laughs> must be pretty good, I reckon. Um, just uh, sorry to go back to United, but I'm just intrigued by this idea that there's a code for injuries, according to what people <laughs> say. knock. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, you know, if it's a knee injury next week, I wonder what you have to say to get a knee injury. You know, that... somebody should be following this, you know. Exactly. Anyway, Keith, back, this back is something to... much stats needs to get on to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Chelsea. Um, well, I think the uh, the turning point has been the goalkeeper, hasn't yeah. it? The arrival of the keeper. It yeah. seems to stem from that and the confidence that he has given. That first of all, the defence, the guys in front of him, who are no longer like cats on hot bricks, and that flows right through the team. And uh, you, you're seeing now the, the benefit of this big squad. And I think Lampard does deserve some credit for the way he's juggled the, this huge squad of players. He's probably been helped a little by the fact that they've come back in not all at the same time due to injuries. Um, like uh, Zayek, had, uh, we had to wait quite a long time mm, for him. Mm. And I, he's probably been the best of the lot, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, he's, he's really caught fire, hasn't he, immediately. And um, you've, we're still waiting for Pulisic. He's played a little bit and he got injured again. But he should be fit, or at least on the bench, for this game. And this, this is a big game um, that coming up. But... Going back to Wren, Wren aren't a bad team, are they? No. You know, this, this was no, no given. And, and yet they can sell their best players, you know, for, for knockdown prices. Yeah. I mean, what's going on there? They seem a well-organized club and they give away a goalkeeper who looks world-class, frankly, for 20 million. Uh, and he's only 25 years old. Uh, Chelsea got a bargain there. And uh, I think they, they, they're looking good in both competitions. Yep, they certainly are. All right, City also won the Champions League. Uh, beautiful goal from Phil Foden from a Raheem Sterling back heel. All right, that, in a nutshell, is your Champions League. We're going for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to start previewing the Premier League for you. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. <laughs> This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Craig Marias, Bob Holmes and Kishnan looking forward to match week 10 of the English Premier League. Uh, early kickoff on Saturday is Brighton in 16th, taking on second place Liverpool. Uh, Craig Marias, we heard uh, Jurgen Klopp's been making a lot about this early kickoff. He doesn't like it. He's been moaning a lot, but you can understand Liverpool are pretty badly hit injury-wise. Yeah, I've, I've been a little bit vocal about this, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, you know, I said it when Ole had the same thing at United. Uh, I think it was just before we played Everton. 
You know, it, it, sometimes the scheduling is an absolute disgrace. And uh, I can understand his frustrations. You know, it's at a time when Liverpool need all the rest that they can get. Um, and, and, you know, with the fixtures congestion together that as it is, um, you know, it, it's just not acceptable. I mean, these players aren't robots, so it goes without saying. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just doesn't help the situation. He's forced to play a weekend side against Atalanta. He's forced to do that. You know, they, they, there's no two ways about it. I know the argument could be, well, that's why you have a 25-player you know, player squad or a 30-man squad or whatever it is. But if you want to get the best results for your team, you need to be able to, you know, and you talk about European competition, you know, you've got to be able to put your, your, your best squad out. Mm. Um, I, I actually have sympathy for him. I, I really do. Um, just because we faced it at United, we got lucky. I mean, we played really well. We got the win. Um, but if, if Liverpool were to drop points over the weekend, there's no doubt um, that the schedule is going to get the brunt of it, and and rightly so. Yeah. Um, all right. Just quickly uh, about Brighton here, Keish. Um, they're looking good form. We we saw last week. Danny Welbeck could be a very useful addition. Um, I mean, they're at home. They've been unlucky so far this season. Even the defeat against United, they hit the bar like four times or something in that game. Um, yeah. Do they have a chance? No, they definitely do. I, I think they've got a pretty decent squad. Um, I, I really, really, really like uh, Solly March. Yeah. I think he's a really good player. I just added him into the fantasy team as well uh-huh. <laughs> last week. He's a great, great, great attacker. I mean, I think he was the guy that hit the bar like three or yeah. four times against Man United. <laughs> Trossard is excellent up front as well. You've got McAllister, who is a... You know, it's a Scottish name. It's a Scottish name, unfortunately. He's Argentinian, right? Isn't but he's Argentinian. <laughs> he was born and raised in Argentina. And, and, they brought, <laughs> and they brought him back from there. And he's looking great as well. He's, he's, every game, he's starting to look better on the pitch. And then you have Danny Welbeck, who I think is, is a useful signing for any Premier League club at the moment, especially since um, if there's one thing about Welbeck that you can count on is that he, he, will, he will do whatever you ask him to do. On the pitch, you play him out on the wide. He he plays there. You 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 play him in the middle. He plays there. And and for a for a manager like Graham Potter, who who wants his attackers to be flexible enough to adapt to the kind of ideas that he has, I think Welbeck could be really really useful for Brighton. And and judging by Liverpool's situation at the moment, with with their injuries, with, with that defeat to Atalanta, Brighton will be looking at this and thinking that hey, we, we've got a chance here. We're, we're playing at home. But the other part, the flip side to that is every single time Liverpool lose, yeah, um, they react. <laughs> you know, you know, they come out firing. They yeah. they come out looking for a reaction. Yeah. So that could completely backfire against Brighton as well this weekend. Yeah, and and possibly Bob in Liverpool's favour, Henderson and Thiago might be back and available. They weren't involved in midweek. Uh, they're massive in that midfield. Uh, yeah, well, I'd put more money on Henderson playing than Thiago. Um, he somehow, he's been threatening to play for quite a while now, and uh, he hasn't. I hope he doesn't become another cater uh, because, you know, he, he hasn't done much yet. I mean, he was the big signing rather than Jota. Jota was almost an afterthought, yet it's Jota that's made the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Thiago, yes. Uh, he missed quite a bit of last season for Bayern, actually, but came came back towards the end, played a big part in Champions League win. I think they need him uh, with all these injuries. I don't think they can compensate, any club can compensate for losing your two main centre-backs for the entire season. I mean, that is huge. They've got 
Fabinho, who's a pretty decent replacement for one of them, but they're struggling a bit and they've got to make up for this elsewhere. And Thiago is the man who can do that. He can find the openings that other players can't. And he brings a different style to the midfield. And that was the breath of fresh air that that midfield needed. And it was a brilliant signing. And it's been very unfortunate for Liverpool that he's not been able to show it. I think if he can stay fit, he can still turn it round and, and Liverpool can, can still win the title. But they need him that very badly. All right. Well, Tarek Lamptey is suspended for Brighton following his red card against Aston Villa. It is the early kickoff on Saturday evening. Brighton against Liverpool, 8.30pm. Man City in 13th. That's weird. <laughs> Taking on uh, Burnley in 17th. This is your Saturday 11 o'clock game. Uh, City were impressive, I guess, uh, against Olympiacos. They, they, it was a really nice goal, Craig, that, that won it from, from Foden. Um, Foden's stats when playing for City is very impressive. He doesn't always get a, a run out. Pep is using him very sparsely. Now, City in the Premier League have been poor. 10, game, 10 goals scored, I was reading. That, that's incredible, right? Yeah, it, it's shocking. And just go back to your Foden um, point, you know. I mean, he plays well for England, gets two goals, gets put on the bench. Um, scores in midweek, you know, this, this week. Uh, wait, we'll wait and see. But, you know, if you, if you go on throughout the season, you know, he struggled to get into Pep's Premier League side. He's all right in Europe. He starts in Europe. But he struggled to get into the Premier League side. And he's come off the bench in the Premier League, made a difference every time he's played. Um, it's a little bit worrying. How I see it from Pep is that he still doesn't know his best 11. And what he's been there, what, four years now? Mm. So, something like Five. that. Five. Five years? Yeah. And, and, and he's still struggling to find out his best 11. And, and it's weird to say. I mean, you, you look at the fullbacks. I mean, he's obviously got a problem at left back with Mendy constantly injured. Um we look at right back, you know, it's between Walker and uh, Cancelo. Uh, the, the only really guy who's nailed on is, is probably De Bruyne and, and Edison. You know, mm. it's a toss-up between the rest, to be honest with you. Even the centre-back, you know, you see Laporte in and out of games. Um, you, know, the, you know, whoever partners De Bruyne, um, is it going to be good to one? Rodri, okay, he's probably more nailed on than, than anyone else as well. Um, but but it, it just seems a bit weird. I mean, he's obviously got players who are fixtures in that side. You know, you've got four or five of them which, which get into that side. But around it, you know, it's a bit of a rotation. Everyone's playing on the right-hand side. You know, is it going to be Silva? Is it going to be Mares? Is it going to be Torres? Um, it's just a bit of an unknown. I mean, you look through, you know, the, the sides in the league, you know, your Liverpools, your Uniteds, your Chelsea's. You can literally tell uh, the lineup. you know, on today's show. I can mm -hmm. tell you who's going to start for Chelsea. I can tell you who's going to start for, for Man United. We'll get about 95% right. But with, with Pep and City, you just don't know. You just can't call it. It doesn't matter what you do in midweek. It, it doesn't matter because you could go out and have a blinder of a game. It doesn't guarantee you a start um, on the weekend. So for me, that, that's a massive problem. It really is. And, you know, you, you could say that he's trying to keep everyone happy, this and that. Look, you want to win titles. He knows how to do it. I, I'm, I'm no one to tell him what to do. But, you know, if you want to win titles, you have to have some consistency in that team. Yeah. Um, and I think he really lacks it. I mean, we talk about Pep Roulette. I mean, this is exactly it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, yeah. so, <laughs> I, I understand Sergio Aguero is back, Kish, which will be massive because they need Aguero. Apparently, 
he's fit and firing now, uh, according to Pep. So they need goals. They need to win. Hard to see Burnley in 17th getting absolutely anything out of this one. No disrespect to Burnley and all that. I'm not even going to talk you up. <laughs> Keish. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to look at City and, and, and look at the issues that they have. But the reality is they're up against the side who've got bigger issues this season. And, and, Burn, and, and City will be looking at this as, a, as the perfect opportunity to bounce back. I mean, Aguero returning is a huge boost because if it... I think it was two weeks ago before the international break. I'm not sure what the latest numbers are, but two weeks before the, like just before the international break, City were third from from bottom when it came to conversion rate. Wow! Only Sheffield United and I think Fulham had worse had a worse conversion rate than Manchester City with the amount of chances that they create and how many of those translate to chances uh, into tangible goals. I mean, City have had an absolute nightmare this year when it comes to converting a lot of their chances and. Having Aguero back in the front three will just help that instantly because they haven't got a replacement, a consistent replacement for when he's out from get, when when Gabriel Jesus isn't you know firing at the moment and 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 to have him back in the lineup will just significantly boost the chances of scoring goals not just for the game against Burnley but you know the the, the, the series of games that are coming after this because um, for Pep at the moment December is going to be a really busy month mm. the amount of midweek fixtures. Um, and you look at his, at his spot on the table, 13th isn't exactly a, a, a com- comforting number yeah. at the moment. So, so Pep will be eager to bounce back and Aguero will help help them do that. Just to illustrate further uh, Kishnan's point, uh, against Olympiacos, Man City had 22 shots, six of them on target, only Phil Foden scored. So mm. there you have it. Man- you yeah. I think uh, Foden, uh, the, you know, as uh, Craig was saying earlier, um, Foden's got to play more. Yep, I think without looking, without looking at the stats, I'm pretty sure that his goals per minute ratio is pretty decent. I mean, and let's face it, I mean, he's not a striker, but he's, he's probably there among their leading scorers this season. He does pop them in. He's got that knack, and that's a bonus. And I think Pepper's probably overlooked that. Well, that, should... that's that, that's weird because he was always earmarked as the David Silva replacement when when David Silva moved on. Because we always saw that, right? Foden came on as a sub in his early days. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's going to be a massive game. Uh, everyone is expecting a Man City reaction. I, I feel sorry for Burnley, although we could be proven wrong. Man City Burnley is a Saturday, 11 p.m. kickoff. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back previewing match week 10 of the EPL season. Craig Marias, Kishnan and Bob Holmes here as usual. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Oh, and we have a YouTube channel. New video out tonight. TFIF on video. Please check us out. Everton in sixth. Take on 14th place. Leeds United. This is your 1.30 a.m. Uh, game on Sunday. Everton, we, we've spoken about early season. They look like contenders. Then they, they went three games uh, on, on a losing streak. They won last weekend. And um, Ancelotti, Bob, 
tried a new formation last weekend. It was 3-4-3, most noticeably, which opens Everton up a lot. And we saw Fulham uh, in with the goals as well. It's going to be fun, this game. Uh, it could be. It could be a, another high-scoring game. Um, yeah. And Everton won't have a Dean playing at left-back. Uh, they've got a young lad in there, so their defence will be a little bit weaker. Um, and Leeds, I think, are due to bounce back. Uh, they've been a bit of a yo-yo team, but they have lost uh, two games quite heavily. So they've got question marks at the back. Um, Calvert-Lewin is still firing. Richarlison is there. I think this could be a cracking game. And it really, it's, it's anybody's. Um, I mean, you've got two tactical wizards there as managers. Um, it's, this is going to be worth watching, I reckon. Very yeah, much so. Looking absolutely. forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, the football purist, Quiche, is going to be salivating at this one. Just that the thought of, well, we know Bielsa's leads are attacking. And Ancelotti, I'm assuming he's going to stick with 3-4-3 for this one. They've got a new guy in, a uh, Belgian guy, uh, uh, Nkoku, uh, in place of Dean. That's going to be massive for Everton. Leads to bounce back for you? Question mark, question mark? You know, you know, in many ways, Carlo Ancelotti is the complete antithesis of what everybody wants Bielsa to be in the Premier League, which is, you know, pragmatic. And Carlo is an exceptionally pragmatic manager. Wherever he goes, depending on the team that you have, depending on the existing situation in terms of confidence and morale, he builds the team, which is why he's got no qualms switching it to a 3-4-3. He's got no qualms making changes in the starting eleven. Because he's, he's pragmatic, he, he, he looks at what he has and he builds his team based on that. I mean, Bielsa is different. He's got ideals. He's got, he's got principles that he needs to live up to and he doesn't change them. Um, one of the more interesting things was is that statistically, uh, in, 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 in advanced metrics, when you look at the way Leeds United played in the championship versus how they're playing in the Premier League, it's exactly the same. They have not dropped in terms of intensity. They have not altered their pressing style. Nothing. Everything is the same. Bielsa promised that and he's keeping up to his promise. Problem is, it's causing them in some games. It's, it's forcing them to you know, concede goals at the back. It's forcing them to, to not be able to pick up necessary points like they didn't against Arsenal. Um, so, you know, stuff like that could come back to Horn. And, and you're starting to get ex-players come out like, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has come out and said that he wants um, Leeds United and Bielsa to be a bit more pragmatic in, in the Premier League. I don't think that that's going to happen. I no. think Bielsa is a guy who believes in his principle, um, which is exactly what makes this clash a really, really fascinating one. The only annoying thing is that it's 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, um, well... It, 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 it's, <laughs> nothing. It, that's the only annoying thing, but, otherwise, <laughs> but otherwise, it's a complete must-watch. It's a must-watch, this one, Everton versus Leeds. Dude, 1.30 is way better than 4 a.m. Just yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know what you're complaining about. That. I, don't, I don't think 1.30 is great for Bob, though. It's a Saturday no, night no. as well, isn't it? No, 4.30 is better for me. I can, yeah. I can get up early. <laughs> um, now, Craig, Dean has yeah. gone. Uh, I, I, I've got to do my fantasy football league team. Yeah? I'm going to in a few moments. I've got to get rid of Dean. Yeah? Um, that's, that's massive. For Everton, it, it is. It is. Um, if you're looking for a replacement, Ross, uh, I'd go with Tellers uh, or Chilwell. If you don't have either, I, I, I think Chilwell's uh, the guy for me. Yeah, if he, yeah, Chilwell will be the the, the must, uh, the must, 
or the, the number one pick uh, for me, um, being on set pieces and everything. Uh, but I, I agree with the boys. This is this is the game of the weekend for me. Um, you've got two teams who love to attack. Um, as Keish said about Bielsa, you know, he's, he's not going to hold back. Um, I thought they were very unlucky against Leeds, you know. Uh, Keish, Keish spoke about his principles and all that. I, I just thought it was pure luck. Uh, how they didn't score uh, a goal is beyond me. I mean, they hit the bar um, not once, not twice, about three times, I think. Um, and, and Arsenal, you know, were just outplayed. And that was before they went down to 10 men. They were a lot better when they were playing with 10 men, to be honest with you. Um, this uh, this Everton side, Richarlison coming back is so big for them. It, um, the, the stats, and, and uh, I think Keish will back me up on this, the stats without Richarlison, it is, is, is crazy, you know. Uh, Everton just seem, uh, can't seem to get a win. Yeah. But with Richarlison in that team, they're, they're a diff- different proposition. This is going to be a blockbuster of a match. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I fancy an upset here. I, I'm going to go with Leeds. I was just so impressed with them against Arsenal. I'm going to go with Leeds. I think Bob is also leaning that way. It's We've set it up nicely for you now, people. It's a Sunday, <laughs> 1.30am kickoff. Don't listen to what Keish says. Just have a cup of coffee. Stay awake a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Saturday versus... night. You've got to be up at that time. Exactly. <laughs> Everton versus Leeds. Well worth the watch. All right. Southampton in fifth. Take on Manchester United in tenth. Uh, Bob, uh, Southampton are going great guns. Three wins and two draws in their last five EPL matches. I've been reading articles about how a good fit Hassan Hottel would be in the Man United setup. Bringing <laughs> his, his know-how and, and training. And, and literally, you can see Southampton players, how, how they, they know how to attack. They know which way to turn. When, when the ball, you, you know, they're so well choreographed and it's all down to the coach, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you should say that because I was just thinking, well, it looks as if Ollie is going to make it to Christmas now. Uh, you know, a Poch uh, is still there. Uh, the Real Madrid job is still possibly available, although they won this week and that, maybe that's receded slightly. Um, but uh, United won the last couple of games and the pressure's eased a little bit on Ollie. But does he change things fundamentally? I yeah. mean, either he's up to the task or he's not. I mean, just getting the odd win here and there, beating a team like uh, this Istanbul side, although they did beat United in the alternative game, uh, just winning like that so comfortably, it doesn't really prove anything, does it? I mean, you... You know, any of us here could have picked a side that would have won that game. And um, I mean, I like Oli, even though I'm not a United fan. And, you know, I, I think he's a really good guy and all that. But I don't think he is tactically capable um, at this level. I, I don't think so. I think that's part of the problem. I don't, he's not helped, obviously, by the likes of Pogba having these monumental sulks. With no director think, of football as well. To... No, and still no director of football. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ed Woodward seems to have backed himself into a corner over Ollie now because he'll lose face if he does sack him. I mean, he's very much behind him. He gave him the job in, on a permanent basis in the first place. And he's throughout, he's said, I'm supporting him. But he's, he's really not up to the task. In the big games, you see it. He had luck against PSG on two occasions, didn't he? What? Last season. Last what? season. What match are you watching, Bob? 
well, I've PSG. Got, I've got, you don't I've think a, you I've don't think you, United were lucky against PSG in the Champions I've League when he got the job? Okay, Keith, Keith, Keith. Okay. For someone that is consistently labelled as tactically inept, I'm not saying that Ole is the greatest manager on earth. I'm not saying that he's the greatest tactician on earth. But for someone who's labelled as tactically inept all the time, do you not rate his in-game management? He changed his system three times in the 90 minutes against PSG. He changed his system twice to benefit them against Red Bull Leipzig at home. Um, he has got his tactics spot on. If anything, in the big games, Bob, yeah, you know, the your, big your games. Hands, I agree. It's the big games. He's so really you can, you can argue his tactical inability to break down teams that defend, you know, deeper like your smaller teams. But in the big games, I think if you look at Ole's record against the big teams in the Champions Chelsea, League, City, League, it's exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that he's the greatest tactician on it, but I never get this argument. It's it's almost like a convenient argument that everyone makes on, on online and in social Correct. media. That Ole is a PE teacher that is not a tactician. Okay, I think no, he's a lot better than he's given credit for. Are you are you, are you happy with him? I mean, you you yeah. guys are United fans. Yeah. Are, are you happy with him? Are you? I wouldn't change him for Poch. That's what you I wouldn't change him for Poch. At this rate, I wouldn't. I don't think I don't think Man United needs to chop and change managers. And more importantly, do I think the question is: Do I think Poch is the better manager than Ole? To some extent, yes. But do I think Ole is as bad as the media, as social media, more importantly, makes him look like? I don't think so. No, no, I no. don't think he is. I don't think he is either. But I ju- all I'm saying is I don't think he is a top-level manager. And I think Manchester United require a guy Sorry, Bob. from the very top of the tree. Sorry, Bob. Post, post Sir Alex, we've had Louis van Gaal. We've had Jose Mourinho. Please tell me what these top-level managers have done with United. Well, they weren't the right I mean, fit. No, they? no, they weren't no. the right fit. But, but, I mean, but then we go back. No, you talk about top level managers. What makes how do we know Pochettino's the, the right fit? fit? Yeah. yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't. No. But but then but so then, it does it, it, let, I think let, he's let, a better manager than Oli Gunasalskaj. So, so, so were Mourinho and, and Van Gaal. Okay. Well, well, they. I. I <laughs> Van Gaal was past it. He never got the club, and I think there is this question of a fit. And that's very important. And, and he Ollie clearly gets the didn't. He yeah. didn't. Uh, Ollie does get the club. He is. Yeah. He is a fit. Ollie is yeah. a fit, perfect fit. But he's just not quite up to it. I don't think. Okay. Uh, I think well, it's, that... it's, it's, it's just a media vendetta against him. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you. Ross is struggling at the moment. Yeah. I know. I, I'm, I'm going to stay impartial. I can see what Bob is saying here because. You can't keep playing your West Broms and struggling year in, year out, uh, every season. It, you, just because they sit back. You, well, I mean, we saw the Olympiacos starting 11. Maybe that set the president for, sorry, the Istanbul starting 11. Maybe that set a president for the Southampton match. We shall wait and see. Uh, it's intriguing anyway. Um, Craig, are you calling a Southampton win? Did I hear you say? No, no, you definitely didn't. Uh, I've got to back my team, haven't I? Um, but, but in saying that, you know, um, I think after, you know, good European wins, United haven't really done it. No, um, that's so, the so thing. They, they, yeah, they, they really need to pull it. I mean, they need to get three points. There's no, no two ways about it. I'm going for United win. All right. 10 p.m. Sunday kickoff, Southampton against Manchester United. We're off for a break then. Uh, stay tuned. Back with the big games of the weekend right after this. We wondered if he'd make a difference. 
Everton. He beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with uh, Craig, with Keish and with Bob. Looking forward to Chelsea in third against top of the table, Tottenham. Half past 12 this one. Keish, I, I think that's more acceptable for your, your timing. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, are, Chelsea are two points behind Spurs, Keish. And if they win this, they can go top. If Spurs win this, we're saying Jose Mourinho's challenges are the real deal. This is a super massive London clash. I mean, but tell me, Ross, tell me that at this stage, judging by what we saw in, in the All or Nothing documentary, tell me that at this stage of the season, Jose isn't already talking about the title in the dressing room. I think he's already started. I think he's already looking at his boys and saying, we're right up there at the top. If the season ends now, we're, we're, we're up there. You know, we, we win it. And I think he's using that to drive his players' mentality. That's what Jose does. He builds that idea. Because if there's one thing we know about the Spurs players, right, is that in the past, they've always been accused of being too nice. They've always been accused of being too pedestrian. And I think Jose is trying to change that at the moment. And I think he's actively doing that in the dressing room as well. They're winning on the pitch, but outside the pitch, in the dressing room, I think he's drilling that unforgivable mentality into their, into their heads. And, and, and these are the kind of games that Jose will be looking at and say, this is where we get a statement victories. The, the kind of victories that, that sends, you know, shivers down the spines of your rivals. These are the kind of games that you guys get those wins. And they, they did it against City last time out. And if they do it again against Chelsea, uh, I, I think the players will be, you know, mentally building themselves up um, to, to, to challenge for the title. I think they're already there somewhat mentally, uh, but, but a win against Chelsea would be absolutely massive. Yeah, well, the season is a quarter old now. So, um, uh, Matt Doherty is apparently uh, due to return because he's been missing. Played last of, night. Yeah, because of uh, yeah, that's right. He played last night. Uh, Toby Alderweireld though is missing now. Yeah. That's a groin problem. Uh, could be a problem for Jose. What 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 do you reckon, Craig, about Spurs this season? I know we're only nine games in, but. Keish has got a point. If you, we all saw the documentary. Jose's probably got a, a replica uh, a trophy already in that dressing room, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a tough one. You know, on paper, Spurs have, have a squad that's, you know, that's able to compete. Um, I think as, as the Premier League stands right now, you know, it's quite open in the sense that, um, you know, you, you look at United and cities down there. Um, Liverpool haven't really hit the, hit the heights especially with the injury crisis. Chelsea are coming into it a little bit more now. Um, and then you've got your Leicesters, your Southamptons up there, you know, potentially just filling in places. Um, and, and, you know, Jose will look at that table and say, well, you know, if we're ever going to have a chance, this, this will be the one. Um, he, he looks across his squad and you've got you know, Harry Kane, one of the world's best strikers there. You've got Gareth Bale, who I, I'm sure once he gets to, uh, to full fitness, you know, he's an asset to any club in the Premier League. I don't care which club it is, whether it's Liverpool City, he's, got, he's an asset. Um, you've got Son Heung-min, who I think is is arguably one of the best players in the Premier League, um, if not the world. Um, that's, that's your attacking. I haven't even gone back there, um, you know, and seeing in the midfield behind and, and you know, and, and the defence. So there is a squad there that's capable 
of winning. You look at the squad that they played last night uh, in the Europa League. You know they benched they benched them. Yeah. You know they they, have, they they can afford to bench these players and, and still come away with a four 0 win. I mean th- that's the type of squad he has. So um, it, it, is Spurs' challenge a real challenge? Yeah, I think so. I, I can't see why not. But the problem with Spurs is the mentality, and that's what. Jose is trying to change, you know. Yeah. We all know about the Spurs that implodes, you know, do so well for three quarters of the season or, or half the season, they implode in the second half. Uh, we've seen it all before, you know. We go back a few years, I think it was when Leicester won it. You know, you, Spurs were right up there. They you know, Spurs themselves in they the end. Spurs yeah. themselves. And we've, we've seen that <laughs> time and time and again. Um, so, so that is the challenge for Jose. Um, you know, I, I, I think they can. I think they can really push some teams as long as, you know, they, they have their players fit. Um, and that's key. Actually, you know, I, if there's one manager who can probably alter mentality, it would be Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked about what what an impressive and and possibly a title-winning squad that Chelsea have. Uh, if we say that, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Spurs have. If we say that about Spurs, Bob, Chelsea, well, arguably they've got an even better squad there with Lampard. Yeah. Yeah. On paper. Definitely, yeah. I mean, but they've spent a lot of money, haven't they? They've spent a quarter of a million, a uh, uh, quarter of a billion, billion. sorry, <laughs> on um, on players in in the last uh, year, um, and uh, Spurs have, have not spent very much, but they bought well. Uh, Chelsea seem to have invested uh, pretty well. I don't think they've got a dud among them since um, Kepa, anyway. Um, I think they've made up for that with uh, with this goalkeeper Mendy, who who looks excellent, and as I said before, that they've got the confidence in the squad, and I think Chelsea have a superior squad. Now it's a clash between master and pupil here as managers, isn't it? And they've had mixed results when they faced each other. It'll be fascinating. I think this is another intriguing clash. I think. Last weekend, we had good games. And this weekend, we've got a couple of crackers. We've mentioned Leeds and Everton. I think this could be an yeah. equally brilliant match. And it could go some way to deciding which of these two teams, if not both, are challenging towards the end of the season. And uh, I think Alderweireld's absence actually could swing it because he was magnificent last weekend. Uh, I thought he was playing absolutely out of his skin. And I think he'll be a big loss. Mm. I know that Dyer has filled in quite well as a more conventional centre-back rather than a sort of defensive midfielder um, as he was played before. Um, but uh, without Alderweireld next to him, I think they're going to miss, miss uh, Alderweireld quite a lot. And that could open things up. I mean, Chelsea have got a surfeit of top-class strikers. Um, uh, they've got Werner, who probably could do with a rest. He seems to have played just about every minute so far. But look at, I mean, the Giroud could even play for more than a couple of minutes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, bringing him on is, is a threat, isn't it? So I think Chelsea have probably just got the edge here. I, I, I will go for Chelsea, but I think it could be a, a cracking game. All right, intriguing stuff. Third versus first, Chelsea versus Tottenham is a Monday, half past midnight kickoff. Now, one that is very late for everybody is Arsenal in 12th against Wolves in 9th. Arsenal had a 3 0 win over Molder in the Europa League on Thursday. 
Um, but I'm going to Wolves first, and I'm coming to you, Kish. They're ninth this season. Um, they've done all right in their last five. Uh, two wins, two draws, one defeat. They're slowly finding their feet. It's, it's a bit yeah. changed this season. They've lost a few players. Uh, what are your thoughts on your other favorite team? <laughs> I, it, I, think, I think with Wolves, this was supposed to be the year where they make the jump. Uh, because for every team in, in you know that that mid that midway through the through the table, um, they've had a couple of really good years pushing teams in 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 the top six, and this was supposed to sort of be the year where they really challenged for the top six. But I, I think the loss of Diego Jota doesn't help. Um, he the the player that he is at Liverpool, I think, is nowhere close to the kind of player that he was at Wolves. He's obviously. You know, he fits really well into the Liverpool system with the kind of freedom that he gets. And that's why he's, he's producing more with, with Liverpool than he ever did at Wolves. But he was an important player at Wolves. Um, and, and losing can, him... Can I just I, jump I, in I think, there? Can I just jump yeah. in? Diego Jota was asked, why uh, is this the best he's ever played? Best football? He said, well, I'll tell you what. It's the best team I've ever played with. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's not wrong. I mean, he's, he's got so many players around him. That allow him to that that freedom to be able to do those things. Um, with, with Wolves, it's it's a bit more restricted with, with the kind of systems that Nuno like to play, and I think the ongoing contractual saga with Adama Traore as well. Yeah. Um. He's 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 been the, the talks have reportedly broken down. There are a lot of rumors about him potentially leaving the club. Um. And I think that doesn't sit really well. With 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 the with Nuno and and also some of the players at the top, so that that might be affecting the team as well. So there's a number of factors in and out around the team that's they're sort of playing out at the moment. And I don't think Wolves will finish anywhere below the top ten. I think they still will, but you know this was the season that they were supposed to push the top six to their extremes. And I, I you know I just don't think at the moment they look like they're able to do that. All right, very quickly about Arsenal, Craig. Um... They they don't score many goals. I think yeah. Obama Young's penalty was their goal of the month last last season. Yeah, yeah, last month. <laughs> but um. but no, I mean he's he's tightened them solidly at the back. Arteta Arsenal. It's just going forward now. Yeah, um, it, it's a weird one, you know, because you know prior to him coming into the job, you know, we we recognise uh, Arsenal's flaws. Um, you know, we you know the backbone of the team. Um, they, they, they weren't. They didn't really have a great defense. You know, defensive uh, midfielder in front of them. They, they've rectified most of it. I, I still think they could do with another centre back. Mm. Um, if you ask me, I think uh, Gabriel is a good signing for them. Uh, but they need one more. Uh, I don't think Louise or uh, uh, um, Holding is the answer to it. But um, yeah, they, they, they've rectified most of it. But now the worrying thing is going forward. You know, they, they seem very restricted. Um, Aubameyang for all his talents and, and Ceballos, all his goal-scoring ability. Ceballos hasn't hasn't sparked like he did last season. Well, this is the thing, and um, you're crying out for number ten. Now we know the situation with Ozil; he's not going to be you know anywhere near the team, um, despite you know being such a fantastic number ten. Uh, but when you, when Ceballos does play, he doesn't play in the ten. He plays as as one of the two defensive midfielders. So you, you restrict his creative freedom. I mean. You're looking at that team, and if they, you know, if you look at it and you play Party, uh, if you play El Neni, and you play Ceballos in front of them, um, you're going to get that creative uh, aspect from uh, from Ceballos. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, he he refuses to play that way. Um, 
I, I do think going forward, he has a lot of problems. William hasn't really fired. I mean, mm, he was fantastic mm. in the first game of the season. I think he had three assists, uh, but he hasn't really got going. Pepe, I know he scored last night, but you know, hasn't really been a consistent level for the 80 or 70 million or whatever it was that they paid for him. He's nowhere near that player. Um, Lacazette, um, is he the answer to Arsenal's striking problems? I don't think so. He'll do a job. Um, and Ketia's there. I mean, there's a lot. Saka. I mean, Saka, I rate Saka so highly, but he, he he's a bit like a Foden situation. You know, he's not really cemented himself into the team. Mm. Um, you know, a, a wonderful player. Gets into the England team, but struggling to make the Arsenal team, which is which is a little bit baffling. Um, so, so there's a lot lot of concerns there for Arsenal going forward. Defensively, I think they're all right. Um, I actually think this is going to be a boring match. Wolves uh, <laughs> off for nothing going forward. Arsenal off for nothing going forward. Um, you know, I can see this ending in a draw, to be honest with you. Well, there I you go. I wouldn't be staying up for this. No. I probably will, but I wouldn't recommend that you do. Nil-nil on the cards. Arsenal versus Wolves, Monday, 3.15 a.m. kickoff. There is a Friday night game. Crystal Palace take on Newcastle United. I understand Newcastle have been hit by three uh, positive COVID-19 tests to, 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 to their players. So that's a Bruce doesn't want to reveal who, though. No. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for all the FPL managers out exactly. there. He refuses to name them. <laughs> that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, the bottom two go head-to-head. West Brom against Sheffield United should be intriguing. That too could be a nil-nil Sunday, 4 a.m. kickoff. Uh, that's it. We're out of time. I'm going to say thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much, Ross. Thanks to Kishnan. Cheers, guys. And thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.